Welcome to the 136th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Debbie Vigay, New York Times bestselling author of over a dozen novels, including the Wicked series and the Crusade series, co-authored with Nancy Holder. Debbie's latest novel is The Last Grave, a witch hunt novel. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Debbie Vigay. Debbie is the author of many dark suspense novels, young adult novels, and paranormal romances. Debbie's latest novel is The Last Grave Witch Hunt. Debbie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, sure. Well, I wondered at the outset if I could have you read the first page or two of your latest novel, The Last Grave Witch Hunt. Absolutely. I'd love to do so. All right. Chapter one. The shadows were alive, moving, slithering, crawling across the floor toward her and swarming across the ceiling above her. She stood helpless and naked as she watched them advance. In her right hand, she held an athame, the only thing she'd been allowed to bring. She lifted it and touched the tip to the palm of her left hand. The blade felt cool against the skin, a circle. She needed to form a blood circle to protect herself from the things. Blood bubbled to the surface of her skin as she dug the blade in. She raised her hand, ready to drip the blood onto the floor. No, a voice shouted angrily. She knew without looking it was her mother. She could feel her disapproval like a physical weight between her shoulder blades. The shadows surged forward. You must, another voice said. She began to shake, her terror of the shadows nearly greater than her fear of the adults who were commanding her. A shadow ran like spilled blood across the final inches, separating her from it. It touched her bare toes, and she cried out and stepped back. Suddenly, iron hands were holding her tight, pinning her arms to her body. She could feel them pushing her forward, her mother and the other woman. She struggled even as they hissed threats in her ears, but all she could hear was the other voice whispering in her head. That one was soft and oily, and it promised power. More power than she could ever dream of. More power than she could ever use. And the shadow once again touched her foot, which felt as if it had been enveloped in a cold, wet blanket. She didn't want to look, but another hand forced her head downward. She tried to close her eyes, but an invisible force held them open so she could watch. The shadow wrapped around her leg like a snake and moved its way up her body. She sobbed as she felt it moving against her skin and then through her skin into her body, filling her with cold and fear and dread and she could feel the promised power surging through her. But she didn't want it. She screamed as a shadow slithered up her thighs, wrapping every inch of her as it went. And then it was circling her hips and stomach, then her chest, until only her head was still her own. And when the shadow moved upward again, it filled her mouth and nose. It flowed into her ears and her eyes, turning everything to ice. She was drowning. She was dying. She was becoming... Great. <laughs> Thank you. So if someone listening hasn't heard about The Last Grave Witch Hunt, which is the second Samantha Ryan novel, how would you describe the novel? Uh, I would describe it as a supernatural thriller. It's about a woman who is a police detective who has been desperately trying to evade her own past. She was raised in a dark coven, performed black magic. She was able to escape it as a child 
but circumstances keep forcing her back into that world against her will. Gotcha. And and what appeals to you and interests you about the character of Samantha Ryan? She is very conflicted. She's a woman who has a difficult time reconciling her current life with her past life. Um, I I found her very compelling in that way. She's uh, she re- she turned her back on her old life. She actually embraced a completely new one. She embraced Christianity, and you know she's been trying to live you know that kind of a life, and yet. Wherever she goes, this old life is calling to her. She's forced to go undercover in a coven in the first book, The Thirteenth Sacrifice. And now she's, you know, trying to get over the the effects of, you know, what happened during that book. And it's just not going well, you know. Yes. <laughs> and I <laughs> not well at all. And I just I love it because she's one of those characters that you look at her and go, if you could only learn to be okay in your own skin you would do so much better. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And and I know that some I know that some writers uh can't really pinpoint, you know, where they had a specific idea or or um uh plot for a novel, but do you remember um how you kind of started thinking about or or um planning the Samantha Ryan character? Absolutely. October 2005. Salem, Massachusetts. I was there speaking at the Witching Hour, a Harry Potter conference, actually. And uh, I was walking around, and Salem is so kitschy and so fun. And, you know, every store has witch-themed stuff, and there's like 50 bazillion witch museums. And, you know, it's like you ask anybody that works at the witch, you know, you know, the witch stores and everything, oh, are you a Wiccan or a Pagan or a witch? And, of course, they are, even if they're not, because that sells. <laughs> that sells all the tchotchkes, right? Right. And I was just uh, struck by how fun and festive it was. And I'm like, you know, if you were a real witch doing actual really black, dark magic and doing horrible things, this would be the perfect place to hide because everyone is a witch in Salem, whether they are or not, you know, and Mm -hmm. nobody would even think twice or look twice if you acted weird or dressed weird or, you know, and I'm like, this is a perfect hiding place for real supernatural activity. You know, and it's and I, I just kind of got that image stuck in my head. And I thought, what if, you know, this poor girl knows this and, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's no, you know, there's nothing really weird happening in Salem. And she's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know better. So that's where it came from. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, well, I know that urban fantasy and supernatural romance ha- have exploded in popularity in the past um, probably 10 years now. Do you ever think about, you know, what do you attribute that popularity to? I think people are reaching out for an aspect of something to believe in or think about beyond themselves. Um, There's, in in some regards, I link it to the decline in the the center. Religion as the centerpiece of people's lives has declined over the last 20, 30 years. And as that's happened, it's still left a hole that people want to fill because people still want to believe that there's something else out there. There's something they can't explain that's magical, that's supernatural. And, you know, when they're not turning towards the idea of, you know, God and angels and demons or all of that, they're looking for something else. And I think that's where the rise in popularity of the vampire and the werewolf, you know, and, and all of that has come from. Sure. 
Sure. Because we want to believe in something. We want to believe that there is something, you know, we can't explain out there, even, you know, regardless of what it is. Right. Right. Well, well, I know that in, in addition to your your own uh, solo novels, you've co-written young adult novels with Nancy Holder. Uh, yes. Have you have you always wanted to write? And what was the the original path to publication like for you in, in getting your first novel or stories published? Sure. I've been wanting to write. I was wanting to write since I was a little kid. Uh, I would play with my toys and then I would stop playing and I would sit down and I'd write the story of what I just played. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly. And uh, I, I had a teacher in the third grade who had us writing short stories all the time. And she actually called my parents into a conference and said, there's something here. You need to encourage her in this direction. You know, my parents like, oh, yeah, well, of course, whatever we can do, you know. <laughs> And then um, I uh, finally went to the My Writers Conference in 2000 because too many people that didn't know each other told me in the same week that they had a strong feeling I should go. I'm like, that's not a coincidence. You know, I think, I think that's the universe telling me something. And I met Nancy Holder there. She was actually my instructor. And I was so excited because there's all these really, really amazing instructors there. There's Terry Brooks and John Saul and all these people. And yet, even though I knew who all of them were, Nancy's were the only books I actually had, you know? <laughs> and, and they, what, what was the name of the conference? I didn't catch that. Maui Writers oh, gotcha. Conference, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. unfortunately defunct as of a couple of years ago. Right, right. But uh, it was just very fortuitous, and we got along really well, and we had really similar writing styles. And so, you know, she helped me out with some some contacts in the industry and things like that. And then ultimately, she uh, she asked me to write Wicked with her because the timetable she was on was so impossibly tight given everything else she was doing that she realized she needed an extra pair of hands. And because we had figured out that our styles were so similar, she's like, do you want to do this series with me? And I'm like, yes, you know, of <laughs> course I do. And, you know, once once that happened, all, you know, all the doors, you know, just kind of open up because suddenly people are going, oh, you can see a project to completion, which is the biggest thing that, you know, the biggest worry that publishers have when dealing with a new author is, yeah, they might like your stuff. They might like your ideas. They might like your writing style. But are you actually going to be able to complete at the end of the day? Sure, sure. So. And and can you describe um, somewhat what the the co-writing process is like between you and Nancy on the books that you work together on? Oh, we have great fun. We uh, we alternate chapters usually. Most of the time, I take the odd chapters and she takes the even. Although we occasionally flip, um, because I I used to I usually like to write chapter one, you know, and you know that's that's my thing. I'm like I like the beginning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, you know, we'll write a chapter, send it to the other person. They'll revise it, add their chapter, send it back. And we have a, a really great code between us, which is we write it forward, never back, always forward, which means if I get something from her back from her and she's rewritten a scene I liked or taken out something I thought was really awesome, I can't put it back. In fact, I can't even go back to a previous draft and see what she changed. If I don't like what she's done, I can change it again, but it has to be something new. And you know, the same goes on the other way too, vice versa. This way, by the time we reach the end, it doesn't really look like my books or her books, but it's our books. And we've both 
reached a point where we're really happy with it. And it's not necessarily what I would have done. It's not necessarily what she would have done, but it is what we do together. Gotcha. That's an interesting process. So, so given your, given the, the success that you've been able to achieve in uh, publishing, what, what advice would you have for aspiring writers who may be listening, who would want to have their own stories or novels published? The, the first thing I always tell people is complete the first story, book, novella, whatever it is. Finish it and move on to the second one. Because what keeps people stuck is an obsession with that first story and trying to make it perfect. And the reality is there are very few writers. I mean, there are a few. You know, there's always the exceptions. But there are very few writers that will ever have their first story see the light of day. The point is to finish it, start writing the second book, finish that one. And by the time you're writing the third book, you have learned so much more about your craft and you've learned how to complete and let go. And that's the point where you're starting to be good enough to be published, honestly. I mean, I've gone back and looked at my first two books and, you know, I'm not sure whether I want to laugh or cry. It's so embarrassing, you know, (laughs) but Every writer has this. Every story you write, every book you write, every poem you write, you get you are better than the one before because you are constantly exercising that muscle, that creative muscle and evolving and and honing your craft, which is one of the reasons, you know, authors can have careers, you know, into their 90s, you know, because they're constantly improving. You know, age does not take away from that, it only adds to it. And the more you do, the better you get. So let go of that first idea. It might be great. It might be your baby, but that's probably not the one that's going to do it for you. Move on to your second idea, your third idea, and then you're getting somewhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so do you have a chance to read as much now that you're that you're writing? No, unfortunately. I used to be one of those people that would read three, four books a week. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> For for purely for pleasure, not something connected with business, uh, I've read 12 books in the last eight years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. But, you know, but that's the truth. You know, I and, and so do you remember at least one or two of those 12? Yes, I read the entire Harry Potter series. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to. I was a, a fan of the films, and my friend, who's a librarian, like had it after. I think it was after you know it was after Prisoner of Azkaban. She's like, you know, that's it. You are going to read the. You're going to read these, and I'm like, I don't have time to read. She's like, I don't care. You're going to read it. You know. <laughs> so you know, she got me hooked on the series, and I read those. And I've read um, Nancy's Possessions series, uh, which I didn't help with in any way. I wasn't a co-author, but she put that out, and it's really good, really frightening. So, (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, what are you working on now? Uh, Right now, I'm just finished uh, the first draft of Circle of Blood, the third witch hunt book. I, I just finished... Uh, revisions on Kiss of uh, Kiss of Revenge. The uh, actually I just finished copy edits on Kiss of Revenge, Vampire Kiss trilogy. I am in the middle of writing my sixth Psalm twenty three mystery, and uh, I'm 
just we're just starting revisions on Nancy and I are on uh, uh, Savage, the third book in our Wolf Springs Chronicles series. So, so doing a lot. Staying busy. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm also you know polishing two proposals for my agent. So. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where can people find you online if they're interested in learning more about you and, and seeing, you know, all the books that you've written? My website, debbievigay.com, D-E-B-B-I-E-V-I-G-U-I-E.com has all of my books. They're all linked up to Amazon and Barnes and Noble to make it easy for everybody. Uh, you can also check out my podcast, the 13th hour. And, um, I'm on Facebook, author Debbie Vigay, on Twitter, Debbie Vigay. Great. And and I'll have links to to all of those in, in the show notes that people can check out. Well, again, we've been speaking with Debbie Vigay. Debbie's latest novel is The Last Grave Witch Hunt. It's, ava- <clears throat> it's available in bookstores now. So definitely check it out. Debbie, thanks for doing the interview. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great. Sure. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.